take 43. Mark? Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Take 43 podcast. My name is Drew Williams. And my name is Aaron Colborn. And just curious, Aaron, what happened with the first 42 takes? Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Most people don't know this, or before last week, I didn't know it. Um, but apparently, you can have hurricane force winds in Utah. So, I heard. yeah. I so, felt. we had this like this uh, storm system move through, and it pushed this really like big pressure system down onto us. And we hit, we had gusts like hurricane, like uh, category three hurricane gusts and just knocked over trees so the long and short of it is i was picking up trash in my yard <laughs> picking up trees and like we were out of we didn't have power for like six days or something like that it was wild wow i think otherwise people might have heard about it in national news but the fact there's like so many other natural disasters going on like, yeah it wasn't even worth anybody did the fires in california hurricanes <laughs> hitting the gulf coast and so like uh you know who cares about the little windstorm in utah yeah well speaking of tropical storm uh gopro launched their hero nine this morning oh how far did they launch it <laughs> <laughs> It really hard. Would you use like a trebuchet or a catapult? Yeah, I don't know, but I guess it launched this morning. Interchangeable wide lens for super wide shots, hyper smooth 3.0, 30% longer battery life. This nice. is this is not an ad for GoPro, just some fun information to pass along. Well, we, we, did, we did GoPro stuff, so. I did beta testing for GoPro for four years. I did not do the eight or the nine, so I haven't helped beta test and develop this camera. So that uh, this is news to me. So I was pretty so excited. You're like, oh, new thing that I didn't help with. At yeah. All. You're right. like, why didn't I get the call back? <laughs> right. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think they have uh, dissolved their beta team uh, speaking with them at CES this oh, year. Oh, really? So, oh, uh, I got to use the Red Komodo this weekend. Super I, cool. It's actually think? the second weekend I've used right, it. Right. we used it uh, last week on the yeah. first half of this shoot. Used the interiors la uh, two weeks ago, and then I shot some exteriors uh, down in Bryce Canyon, uh, close to Bryce Canyon National Park, not inside the park. And then also we did some car mounting stuff with the tarantula rig. Oh, cool. how the car mounting stuff come out? It was cool. We were going 85 miles an hour with the red Komodo on the hood of the car Holy down I-15 towards Vegas. That's rad. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of nerve wracking too, just knowing this camera's strapped to the uh, front of a car going that yeah, fast. Suction cup. No, we obviously had safety chains there, but right. um, I know everything looks great with the with the camera. Love the size of the body. It can get into smaller spots. Finally, you see what you see is what you get in a red monitor. Does better in low light than any red that I've ever used. That's so, great, especially compared to the Raven, which oh, was yeah. not for, for us not the most user friendly camera. Virtually uh, uncomparable cameras. Right. So right. that's uh, really exciting. All right, but even more importantly than the Red Komodo, we have an amazing guest that we're chatting. With. Today. This guy is so talented. Timor is his name. He's from New York. He's done some amazing stuff for Tom Ford, Louis Vuitton, Samsung, Grey Goose, Dior, Nike. Like it, the list goes on and on and on. He's yeah. got a crazy impressive client list and his work is really top notch. Yeah, it was really unique watching some of the edits that he's done with the Kuka arm with the music video. We'll chat about that yeah. with him. I'm kind of anxious to learn a little bit more along those lines and what that production was like. Let's get Timor on. Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, Drew. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? All right. Okay. So if anything goes wrong, just let me know and uh, I can do my best to fix it. If you saw the abomination that I built to do this. <laughs> That's your jam though, right? Just putting all sorts of crazy uh, tech together to make something happen. <laughs> yeah. One abomination after another. <laughs> I'm guessing there's a mic hooked to a KUKA arm and you're, it's spinning around you. It's, it's, it's really not very far from that. <laughs> <laughs> Timor, thanks for coming on with us. Of course. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I took a look through a, a bunch of your work yesterday and I'm, I'm pretty stoked to talk to you about it. Sure. Man. Yeah, yeah. What absolutely. do you guys? Uh, what are you interested in? What do you like? Yeah, Timor, loved your site. Thank you. You started out as a sculptor. How did that transition into a cinematographer's role? Those seem very opposite. Um, actually, they're much closer related than you'd think. Okay. Um, I mean, I've I've always been like 
a nut for art. So when I was a kid, I was, you know, in, in New York, I grew up in Brooklyn and there's a, um, in Manhattan is a place called the art students league. And so like when I was maybe like, I don't know, 10, 11, I just sudden, I had a cousin who was an amazing, amazing artist. His name is uh, Levent Changa. And when I was a kid, he was like 18, 19, you know? So like, you know, you look up to the cool guy with the earring, and, you know, this is like early right. 90s. So, you <laughs> right. know, full, full grunge look with the flannels and everything. The know? earring makes you cool. Was, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Earring makes you cool, you know, has like a skull ring and you're like, whoa, you know, that guy. <laughs> he is so artsy. <laughs> It's, yeah, and what? It, well, he actually was. That's the right. Thing. Like, right, <laughs> it wasn't exactly. BS. He was, um, and he is. He's an amazing draftsman. I mean, the guy draws just pen and ink, and you know, he actually has a, a career as a, uh, a storyboard artist now. Oh, cool. Um, so, because because he can he can spit out comic book level finished work in seconds. You know, just pen hits the paper and he's done. You know, there's no reworking anything. It's like perfect right off the bat. You oh know, man, that kind of talented guy it's amazing Wish and, I was like that. yeah yeah so of course you know i was like oh i want to be like that you know and so i started drawing and and it turned out i was good at it so my dad loves painting and drawing so you know it was funny like i had never shown interest in it before until a certain point and then all of a sudden he was just like wait you like to draw like literally ran out the door came back with like canvases paint pencils oh, that's giant awesome. drawing pads like i mean he, he was just like i got like i'm not i'm serious like 900 bucks worth of stuff. oh man you know like that's in, cool. nice in, having support you know, right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Dad so you know i started dabbling and and working in this and that and you know it, you know it was like children's drawings i mean right. it wasn't like anything particularly great but you know after a year or two i started kind of getting a little better at it and uh, so I went to Art Students League, and then eventually I went to LaGuardia High School, which is like the music and art high school for art, and then you know started refining my skills more and more. Then I went to NYU at the studio art department. Cool. Uh, and that's where I kind of – the transition between high school and college where I got into sculpture. Gotcha. Um, and that was like mind-bending for me because I had always only done pencil and paper. You know, So mm. I was like three dimensions. What is this trickery? You so you know? much stuff, yeah. Yeah, so – as I got through college and, you know, it was a very like forward thinking contemporary art style training, you know, not so much in the clay figures and, you know, life drawing or anything like that. It was right. just, like really like gearing you up for the modern art world. You know, I built this like I sort of like a giant dead animal, but it looked like 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 a um, like a Muppet, like it was blue and um, had this like shaggy fur awesome. and it had like a like a, a wound in the side. Right. OK. So, but it was really big. It was like eight or nine feet long, Holy like moly. six feet high. Like it looked <laughs> wow. like an elephant. It looked like an elephant had died in the room, basically. <laughs> what I figured out was that, like, this was I just I had found this small like television that was thrown out in the garbage, you know, and I had like pulled it into my school studio and I was just using it to like maybe like watch movies and it got like one or two channels. It was an old school like clicky. Oh wow, with the dial and everything. With a dial, yeah. So it was like chunk, chunk, chunk to change the channel, you know. And I just got the bright idea. I was like, hey, what if I could put that thing inside the wound? And then when you look inside, you could see the story of what happened to the creature that led to oh, its demise. That's cool. That I dig cool. that. Yeah, I really like that. You know, I put this thing in there and I was like, oh, wait, I have to shoot something, I guess. Right. All right. <laughs> fine. You know, so like I went and I bought a the cheapest possible video camera and like, 
and I mean, like, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So it was all just like live shot basically, right. you know? So there's like a lot of like dead air in it and you know, it's awful, but right. was it like, did you use like a Sony handy cam or something like that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the, I think it was one of the ones that recorded to like a mini DVD or something. Oh yeah. Terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great stuff evolving technology um, for the time not <laughs> <laughs> so i did that and it came out cool and i and i at the time somewhat novel nature of having video like video worked into sculpture and all that. i mean it's not like others haven't done that you know long in the past but right you know just in that context of like this like the story leading up to what the object was was kind of like you know cool for me you know for sure for sure and so then i started putting videos and everything because i was like oh i found a cool little trick let me see how far it goes and then little by little the sculpture started kind of receding and the videos kind of kept getting bigger and bigger to the point where i was basically just purely working in video by the time i graduated and um you know and at that point you know i had a bunch of summer jobs and you know was working while in college so you know i bought a dvx 100 and i discovered the 35 millimeter adapter early 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 on and sort of the rest was history. Like it just sort of transitioned into like, I started really getting into the video image and right. started studying cinematography to learn how to like create the best picture. And, you know, cause I wanted my stuff to look like really clean and sharp and right. you know, all that. And then next thing I know, I'm like shooting commercials. That's cool. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if there are any skills that you kind of developed as a sculptor that transferred over to cinematography, you know, general art concepts or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's all of it. I mean, it's, you know, you, you think about what a video image is. It's a two dimensional image, like a painting, drawing, photograph that moves through time, but depicts something three dimensional. Right. So you move the camera to activate the third dimension. You know, right. And then right. you have temporal time is also like a, a, an element to it. Of course, you know, how long do you stay on a shot? You know, how how long is your edit? How long is your, you know, all of those things. So, you know, it, it actually kind of utilized all of those things that I learned in school. So it was it was really interesting. You know, it was just it's weird. Like it was a natural, natural progression. It just sort of led to it. it totally. Kind of strange, you yeah. know. Didn't think I would wind up there, but that's where I wound up. Right, right. So when you did transition into being a cinematographer, what was, uh, if you can remember, if there's one that stands out to you, your first job as a DP, how did you get it? Well, was it any good in the end? You know, because uh, a lot of times those first projects don't oh, come out gonna, the way you want them to. You're going to you're gonna love this. <laughs> nice. Right when I graduated, um, I had done a video piece called Al the Moon God. And it was um, this like... Sort of like, you know, the annoying orange, right? Yeah. Like, have you ever seen oh, that yeah, those yeah, videos, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So this was, this was a, a, I was always annoyed at annoying orange because I feel like he ripped me off. But um, <laughs> I made a, I made a talking moon uh, and he, you know, kind of goes on this like long diatribe about like, politics and blah, blah, blah. All right. Know? All right. And it was in a gallery in, um, like included in a group show. And I got very, very lucky. Somebody from the Times happened to go to this show oh wow uh and they took a photo of my video and in the time section on sunday and in the art section on sunday they printed this little like two inch by one inch blurb about the show mm -hmm. and half of it was a thumbnail photo of my video oh that's just awesome. as like a that's so yeah. cool so yeah, yeah. and and apparently what had happened was somebody who lived a block away from that gallery 
was the editor in chief of um, Margiotis for Tejan Powell, which was a big ad agency uh, at the time. Okay. Um, they wound up closing up a few years later, but so he he was like, "Wow, that thing looks cool." He went and he saw it. He loved it, and he had the got my info from the gallery and called me and was like, "Hey, do you want to shoot a <laughs> like a, a a little a little like uh, music video for me?" And and I didn't know what I was doing, so I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. Like, so we just pointed cameras around, and you know, I got lights, you know, Home Depot lights on right, the yellow right. stands <laughs> that everybody lights, had in yeah. the beginning, you know, work lights, yeah. And threw a bunch of like colored gels on them, and like you know, kind of went bananas. And <laughs> I didn't know who he was, so he was editing it in the Avid Suite at the the editing editing bay, you know. Okay. Um. And so he calls me up a few weeks later and he's like, Hey, come check out the, what we did with it. You know? So I go over there and and it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen, you know, like this giant deck with all the little dials and switches on it. You know, it looks like you're in a submarine and this older gentleman bursts into the room and is like, Hey Gary, that looks great. What's that? And he goes, Oh, there's that music video from my brother's band. And I was telling you about, and he was like, Oh, awesome. Awesome. He goes, it looks beautiful. Who shot it? And he just sort of like gestures over to me. This guy. He was like sitting yeah. in the chair. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like 20, uh-huh. you know, like I, I was playing video games earlier that morning and that was a busy morning for me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes, Oh, wow. He goes, what are you doing Thursday to me? You I was know, planning on playing like, video games. Um, but, you know. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, I was like, in my mind, I'm like, it's probably going to play some video games. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and uh, he goes, he, I said, you know, I'm, I'm free. And he goes, well, he goes, you know, what's your, what's your rate? Like, what, what, what are we talking here? You like, know. Uh... <laughs> and I said. Uh, and Gary sticks his head in front of mine and says five. And then leans out and the guy who I don't know, who, I have no idea who this person is. I'm five super confused what? at this point. Yeah. The guy goes, oh, he goes, I can't do 5,000 for the day. Can you do it for four? And I'm like, oh, dollars. You know, <laughs> dollars. Like, <laughs> and, and basically Gary was my agent, my first agent for my first job. Oh, wow. And um, now, mind you, I have absolutely no idea absolutely no idea what any of these words mean right where i'm sitting who i'm talking to you know that was that was george fertita the owner of george uh, margiotis fertita and powell oh wow um it it was like this little thing for i think it was for like god what was it like godiva chocolates or something like it was like a little internal internal video it wasn't like a like a you know corporate right like it wasn't going to be on air or anything like that but he goes great i'll have the people call you you know and and like a few days later, I get a call from a woman who's like, you know, oh, um, what time would you like? You know, I'm the production coordinator. Da, da. What time would you like your checkout? And uh, and in my brain, I'm just like, checkout. Yes, I know both of those words, you know, like. <laughs> and she goes, how's nine? And I said, sure. And like I did get an email with an address. So I show up and this is the really fun part is, you know, I show up at this. I think it was at VER in New York. And um I said, hey, I'm looking for the, you know, I'm pulling the Godiva shoot, you know, like, and they point me over to like, you know, Bay 2. And there's this old salty, like, you know, union type. Oh, yeah. First totally. AC. It was like. Leading up, arms you know, cross. Like, if you talk to me, you better yeah, know what you're no, talking I mean, about. He's like, <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, furiously like opening cases and going to, I mean, the guy was maybe like in his mid 50s. Okay. Know? Yeah. And he sees me and he goes, ah, he goes here. 
and he throws me a big rat's nest of BNC cable. And he goes, wrap that. Wrap? <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you mean? <laughs> and so, and she goes, all right, hold on, hold on. And, and he goes, so he just starts, he does a couple loops and he goes, you know, just, just make it neat like that, you know? So, so I'm like wrapping all these cables and he's like giving me, he's like, go to the desk, get a, you know, whatever, a power distributor, go here and grab a thing. I need a, you know, this, this lens is off, tell him to get a new one or whatever. And he's getting more and more agitated as the morning goes on because he's like, you know, he's like, he goes, where the fuck is this guy? And I was like, who? And he goes, this Timur. And I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> and, hey, I'm a Timur. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't realize that I was the DP, that uh, I didn't even know what a DP really was. And he just sort of went, oh, my God. And he, like, took the cables out of my hand uh, gently and was like. I'm so sorry, sir. You know, like, <laughs> I, guess he, I guess he thought I was like a camera PA or something. Right, you know, right. I was just so young. And and then you're like, oh, how do I get this kind of respect all the time? <laughs> right. Uh, well, no, I I didn't take to it very easily at first. But, sure. Um, the shoot wound up fine because the AC informed the gaffer, who then informed the director. They were like, listen. I don't know how this guy got this job, but he's here. So we're stuck with him. <laughs> so let's just, let's make the best of it. It turned out, yeah. it turned out and, okay and, though. And it, if it weren't for those three people on that very first job. And what's crazy is I don't remember their names yeah. because it went to my college email that you wound up getting nuked many years ago. Oh. So I couldn't even find the call sheet, but basically, you know, the gaffer, the director was like, well, he goes, somehow you're here. He goes, where would you put the camera? And I like, put the camera here and he goes that looks beautiful and the gaffer goes okay he goes what would you like it to look like lighting wise and and i just said like oh you know like in the morning when the sun comes in and okay. like bounces off the table it's really pretty and it's kind of yellow and he goes warm window light great Got it. and they just great. went off and they did it oh that's awesome and and by the end of the day you know like they held my hand but they were like hey man you know that stick with it but he's like but you gotta learn you know right, go, right. go be a first you know go be a second go you know train up and i immediately called went to dvx user found the best dp i could find in new york and begged them to let me make him coffee yeah, right <laughs> that's cool that's awesome it kind of worked backwards a little bit it was super backwards i started like directly at the top where i should have had no business being you know, you say you have no business being there, but in your head, you knew what you wanted it to look like. You just had a little bit of a hard time talking to the people and, you know, learning that those descriptions the, the lingo and the and lingo the, yeah. and everything and what that means. But obviously the exact opposite of, of now, let's fast forward to now, because you seem to like the function of filmmaking and you experiment with a lot of different technology. Mm -hmm. I know you're on the Sigma line. I know you're a fan of the Red Weapon with the 8K helium sensor. You do a lot of lens support through Sigma with the prime sets. I've seen you use the Laowa probe lens for some of your stuff oh, as yeah. well. I love that, that thing. It's so cool. It's, love that thing. it's yeah. an amazing lens. What is your favorite camera, rig, lenses, lighting, anything? Yeah, like what technology like really it? sparked it for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, each section, I guess, has its own thing. I mean, right? It, you know, cam camera wise, that I use the, the the weapon helium because specifically for what I do, there's for for product work like tabletop and product work. There's nothing better. You get a super thirty five chip with a ton of res. So because you're always fighting depth of field, that's the war with right. uh, tabletop. You know, because everybody right. wants their entire product in focus. And if the right. product is 
two inches deep, like a bottle of perfume, right, where the label focus. is curved. Yeah. yeah, if you're focused on the middle letter, well, then the two on the edges, because they're curving away, go soft. And right. So right. you have to shoot it like a 16. Yes. Okay. You know, just to see the whole label sharp. It's There's no way around that. That's just the thing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's every time your sensor gets smaller, you buy yourself back a stop of light and depth of field. Right. Yep. So, I, you know, everyone's going crazy for the RELF and the Monstro and the Venice and, mm-hmm. you know, S1H and A7S3 and all these like full frame cameras. But, you know, for what I do, like all I really want is a Super 16 4K camera. <laughs> you <Right>. know, like <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's what I really want. And, and that's basically what the helium is because, you know, half the time I'm shooting 120 frames anyway. So I just keep it in 4k and it's super 16 size. So I get a ton of depth of field, you know, image looks great. Colors are accurate. It doesn't really take too, too much power to make that kind of exposure on something small because you can move the light so close. Right. You know, like I was, I was messing around with, um, the Lytras and it's like a, it's like a battery powered self-contained really high quality, like led light RGB does all those things. And you know, if my frame is only four inches wide, I can put them one inch outside frame on either side and hit T 16 and it off a little battery powered light. Yeah. You know, blast it. Yeah. It's only when it uses blasting and it's, you know, it's just inverse square from the distance of the source. So it's like, it's so close that you can get those kinds of, exposures and stuff so really easy in that sense Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Hmm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus, they're never bright enough. Mm-mm, never. But one day, a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact, yet powerful, and with professional-grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bicolor, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproofed, you name it, Lytra's it. That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. So speaking of product photography, I mean, you've done a lot of different sorts of things. You've done music videos, feature films, short films, but probably your most recognizable stuff would be what you've done for designers, you know, like Tom Ford, that's the the smaller product uh, photography. Uh, I, I kind of wonder, how did you get into that? Did you end up doing it so much because you're just really good at it and kind of people hired you for that? Or do you love doing it? Or how, how did that work? That one I fell into. That was a friend of mine who was a... a great Steadicam operator, um, had a friend at an agency called Apostrophe, and he was looking for a DP to shoot, uh, you know, some product stuff for one of their photographers. And and these days, the photographers are more or less uh, the directors, you know, and it makes sense because they're, you know, if they're doing product stills, they want the video to match the still and who better than the person who took the still, you know, so it, it's sort of like where it is now. That's, that's you know, the, the days of like big agency shoots for a lot of products, things where it's like a separate director and a separate producer and separate creative. Now it's all rolled into the the still shoot. Um, He wasn't available because he had just transitioned into being a DP and he had picked up a a network show. So he was, you know, out of commission. So he referred me to the job. And 
I just got along really well with everyone there. Everybody at Apostrophes, they're lovely people. And I just fell in love with it, man, because it's, it's the closest thing to sculpture. Well, right. You know, yeah, it kind of, yeah. it all kind of came full circle. And um, just with all the rigging and all the little trickery that you have to do, it, it just gives you like a, it scratches that itch, you know, that, that part of my brain that still wants to make things like physical objects. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the, you're building like Rube Goldberg contraptions to, you know, splash water timed with a, a strawberry flying through right. the air totally. while a bottle of perfume falls and they all three converge in one spot kind of thing, you know, like right. how do you do that? You know, <laughs> Right. Right. And, and the, let me tell you, the way you do that is you hire a really good rigging person. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Never right. do it yourself. <laughs> or just throwing just packs of strawberries at the wall. <laughs> those yeah, those. Man, so when I do it, it's just, it's lots of screaming and, and tears <laughs> and it's just never. You know. Well, those require, you know, three to four people. You always see those behind the scenes of those. Well, yeah, the training. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you're doing something in slow motion, yeah, it's going to yeah, go really yeah. fast. Yeah, you have to have everybody on the same page and going at the same time. And those guys, I tell you, though, the stylists, those guys are the unsung heroes. Like, because, food, like food stylists and stuff. Yeah. And, and the, you know, product stylists in general, like totally, they, they right. have their team, of, like you just like you said, three or four people sometimes. And just like the way that they coordinate and they sort of move as one. It's really cool huh. to watch. That's interesting. Like they'll just sort of say, and one pour, two throw, three, and set, you know, and then oh, that's cool. boom, it all just happens. Huh. You know, like and, and and you know, sometimes if you're rolling, uh you catch it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes if you happen to press record, <laughs> that's if you happen to press record and you're not mesmerized by the old right. Thing. Well, and the thing with tabletop is, is it, it requires such a, a small space. I'm curious, do you rent studio space all the time? Are you in your own house doing some of this stuff? Because it doesn't require a lot of room. Uh, yes and no. The The physical set doesn't require a lot of room, but all the peripherals is huge. Right, yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's best... It's best to get, I mean, you don't need like, you know, Warner Brothers stages, you know, you don't need 50,000 square feet, right? but three to 5,000 is, is, is usable because the art department often takes up a lot of space. Right. A lot of time the clients are there, you know, but, but I'm, I'm shooting out of my uh, converted uh, living room right now just because of COVID. Right. You know, I just get a FedEx, FedEx box full of things and do the best I can. Sure. Do it, working with what you yeah. have. I mean, I would imagine some of that, looking at some of those Tom Ford uh, commercials, I, I would imagine they could kind of make a mess because it looks like you're dealing with a lot of water right. and ink and paint and colors yeah. and fire. And <laughs> yeah, fire. Yeah, smoke. Did you see the smoke one? That's that was our favorite. Oh, oh yeah, I did see the smoke one. Right, it's the one. It kind of has like these uh, like dual uh, streams of smoke. Right, they kind of like twirl around. Yeah, a little bit. yeah, so cool. Yeah, very yeah, very Ma cool. Megan uh, Megan Caponetto, she built built a wind tunnel, a micro wind tunnel. Cool, incredible, and then built, so cool, and figured out how to capture. Uh, because it was indoors, so legally we couldn't. Usually, you would to create those smoke streams. You would mm -hmm. use this. It's like an. It's sort of like incense. Okay. And they burn, and they just make like this very dense, very particulate smoke that like sort of sticks to sticks to itself. You know. Right. But because we were indoors, the fire code wouldn't let us burn them. So she jerry rigged a hazer, a hazer. captured all of the smoke in a tube into a heater, huh. so it wouldn't condense in the tube. So she the tube was hot channeled it all around the studio and then had it fall into like a box she took the honeycomb grid from like you know lighting uh things like for photo strobes right she stacked like 30 of those on top of each other in a box basically built like a silencer in a sense 
And what it did was it laminarized the flow of smoke and then created this little slit at the bottom with holes that created those perfect streams. That's wow. That's wild. And she just, and she just made that. Like that was just like, she was in the morning. She was like, yeah, give me an hour. And it was like, and it's just like, she's so experienced and it's just really remarkable watching her do things. Half the time I'm, I just want to jump in and help because right. like, like I want to play with this stuff. stuff. Yeah, you know? it's like screw the camera. This is way <laughs> yeah. cooler. I'm yeah, this, do this. this stuff yeah. is neat, and that's funny because a lot of times the camera is the coolest part of the set. But when you're dealing with things like that and experienced individuals who know what they're doing and make your life easier, it creates this image uh, and this just product at the end that's just absolutely amazing. Right, and and so so taking that to the nth degree, one of the my favorite things I saw of yours was the Nigel Stanford music video. It's amazing uh, with the uh, Kuka arms. Yeah. And so watching that, I mean, first of all, I was blown away. I'm like, I'm like, oh, these are, you know, real arms. And then it gets, gets to the end and things get a little bit wilder. I'm like, is some of this CG? And I mean, I eventually came to my own yes. conclusions as to like, what was CG, what wasn't. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious what it was like shooting that, you know, um, what you remember being CG, what wasn't and how you shot it and everything. It's just a really, really cool video. That one. Oh God, that was like six years ago at this point. Wow. Oh, it feels wow. like yesterday. It also didn't come out for three years after we shot oh, it. Oh, really? Though, because there was so much, there was so much post on it. Post work, yeah. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't even post work in the sense of like, there was CG of course, but uh, you know, I mean like this parts where like the lasers like tear the building apart. Right. You know, right. like the robots rip the walls down. So like that's all CG. Right. Right. Um, but the robots are real. Right. It's so the robots cool. Are, the robots are totally real. So just fully programmed to play all those instruments. Yeah, they were. So it was a camera on a robot shooting robots. Right? <laughs> so we right. had, uh, what was it called? The gazelle, which was the precursor to the Milo. Okay. And it's basically, it looks like a, a jib. Like, but with this really like beefy, like pod in the middle that the jib, like, it looks like it bisects this like R2D2 looking thing in the middle. But it's huge. I mean, this thing huh. probably weighs two, 3000 pounds. It's enormous. Wow. Um, on a motorized track that it controls and it runs on and it will move to, I think it's the most accurate moving system like like a milo and the milo is even better than the gazelle was i think it could repeat to within a fraction of a millimeter oh, every wow. time you know so what we did was we did multiple passes for every setup every single shot was probably shot five or six times and what we did was we had the robots because the robots are the the kuka arms the orange kuka arms mm-hmm. in the video they're so powerful that if they were to move as quick as they did in real life as you, and they can, they're fast, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you were to move them at that speed, because we needed to move them around and we couldn't like bolt them into the floor, if it made one move where like it went to like play a low key to a high key on the piano quickly, Uh the torque would actually flip the robot over. Holy smokes. That's how, that's how powerful they are. And they don't care if I have to go from point A to point B, I don't care if there's a human in the way. Right. I don't care if there's I'm a piano it. in the way. That's my programming. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. Wow. And so it'll same. pick itself up and flip itself over if it has to. Yeah. And that's the same technology they're using on theme park rides. Yeah. It's literally, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the same technology. Right. So that it, you know, it's got weight and torque and it's very powerful right well it's very powerful i mean super powerful but in a way it has to be kind of nice to uh have robots be your subject because you know you have actors that can't repeat stuff you know hit the same marks you have these robots that are literally doing the exact same thing every time yeah and 
and between between the moco capture from the gazelle and the basically you know moco performance of the of the things you know we we basically move the robots at like i think 10 percent real-time speed so one of the nice things about the red camera at the time was that you could punch in any frame rate you want into the uh, thing it was like a little keypad where you could like dial in exactly so it was me nigel and shahir dowd and our dit tom wong each of us would we would do it old school nasa style where like you know four people would go and do the math and if everybody mm. got the same answer that was you the right answer it. right yeah. right yeah so we would have to like calculate you know all right so if it's going to move at 11 percent because the you know xyz thing what frame rate do we need to be at all right so we're on a 24 23.987 time base divided by you know da, 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 and you do all these like calculations and then mm. by the time we all come up with okay you know the camera needs to be at 2.47 frames per second <laughs> and nigel's like 2.47 shahir 2.47 tom 2.48 oh fuck okay <laughs> <laughs> you know and then we would go do the math again and then you know and then somebody else gets eight and now we're like all right hold on we got to stop this for a second mm-hmm. and then we would go through it all, all together and find out and it, it was every single shot and and each shot required up to up to six takes oh wow so you did six takes and then you did all of the math for all those shots what was the production time on this music video six days six days and i think it's a runtime of four minutes and six seconds Oh. Uh, yeah. Automatica by artist Nigel Stanford. I yeah, highly suggest yeah, everyone checking this out. It's it's truly incredible. I was actually really blown away when you just told us that it was six years old. Yeah, I'm, that's um, really surprising. It, it still holds up very much. Uh, very much so. It looks yeah. it looks amazing. And I have to ask, a lot of times, you know, you avoid brand names and logos and things, but the word KUKA is very prevalent on these arms and it's in every single shot. Was there an affiliation there where KUKA sent you guys these? And- yeah, I Here's the amazing part, and this is like a testament to Nigel's genius. Nigel did all of that. Oh, wow. wow. He programmed the robots. He wrote the score, performed in it, you know, um, did the most of the math himself because his brain is like a supercomputer. Yeah, um, you can tell. Yeah, and, seriously. And he did all the most of the posts himself, you know, a wow. lot of that Good compositing and and all that like he because because he he apparently owns in new zealand a uh, big post house so oh. he has the tools at his disposal you know and that's part of the reason why it took so long was that he had to like work it in between other stuff and gotcha. writing more songs and his record company and all that nonsense so but he he didn't spare anything like every single frame is as good as it can possibly be totally agree. You know? yeah the whole thing looks so slick yeah, it, it came out really beautiful. And I think that was kind of like the first thing I did that was sort of in that robot tabletop. Like, I'm going to call it like the world. Sure. Because it was like working in that like weird, stuttered, you know, hurry up and wait kind of world where it's like, okay, we're going to do a take. It's running at 2.4 frames per second. The shot will be over in 11 minutes. You know, like, so you know you're just like you you do all this prep work and then the the machine is just doing its thing right it's just like a typewriter just like duck 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 and the 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 arm is moving super slow and you have 11 minutes so like everybody goes and like gets coffee you know and cut 
<laughs> I thought that would have required a lot more people. I thought you had Kuka guys in there programming those arms. Oh no, we didn't. We didn't have the Kuka guys. He he did. He took him. I think two years to program. Wow. Time. Oh my god. That's unreal. Um, so, so in reality, cool. he's been working on it since 2012. Um, and I would be so yeah. Proud. So he did all the programming. Shahir was there. Our director was there to you know herd the cats and, right. and <laughs> keep us on track and make sure everything was together and everybody's coordinated and it's, it's it was so storyboarded and so specific because it's robots it's per, it's like right. it's almost like cg animation where you know because there's no camera like you know you choose exactly what happens so right. it's like there's this interest it's really a unique way of working because it was almost not cinematography anymore it was more like I didn't even know, like, you know, I mean, I lit that I lit the whole space to be 360. You could look at it in 360 degrees. Cool. Right. So like we lit for two days and we put up 68 space, uh, 64 or 68 space lights, wow. which was, I think, 400,000 watts of power. <laughs> you know, yeah. and my and my gaffer Bill Menta on that looked at like by the time when we finished lighting, quote unquote, finished lighting. He just stood there with his hands on his hips and he just looked at me. He was like, I mean, you could see the look in his eyes was like, you're an asshole. <laughs> you, know, like, you you made me hang 64 space lights with one scissor lift, you know? Oh my gosh. So that's cool. So your whole space is lit up and, and you can just kind of choose where you want to yeah. approach it from, kind of uh, like at the moment. The entire, yeah, entire thing was DMX controlled. So like wow. I would dim, like if we're facing one direction, I would dim what's behind the camera to kind of give a little more shape. Super. Cool. And then as the camera comes around, we would actually have stuff like ramp up, you know, and, mm -hmm, yeah. and kind of activate in the background. And you'll see like the way the lights come on in the beginning and stuff like that. You know, we programmed all those things. And then like we did little stupid things like taping the keynote tubes to the poles and right. just kind of give it a little more depth. But you know, it was just, it was like from a light, it was like the most challenging lighting, the most challenging camera, oh, the I most bet. challenging talent. I mean, everything about it was pain, but in a great way. Like, <laughs> right. It was just every, every single element. There was no element that was easy. Well, so that's, that. how, that's how you end up with something exceptional, right? When it's all hard to do, yeah. they're going to come out in the end, probably yeah. something better than, than the low bar. So then you had to wait three years for it to actually come out. Uh, once you wrapped production, were you satisfied? Yeah. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's pretty rad. <laughs> it was kind of I, I, I wasn't. Ex well, the thing was, like, we, we saw nothing like Nigel didn't share a frame. And it's not that he didn't tell us it was coming, but it just sort of appeared. And then he was like, hey, guys, it's out. You know, like, like, it <laughs> was like it was just one morning woke up and the email was like he premiered it, I think, on uh, one of the news shooter. One of the things like got the exclusive on it because. Right reasons i don't know why but um so it was just like all of a sudden it was there you know wow yeah and good then, thing you didn't um, hold your breath but i mean but it was <laughs> one of those things where you're like oh it was worth waiting for yeah i mean i was really concerned that it was ever going to come out at all because it sure. had been a while right yeah you know so timor what does the future look like for you i mean do you have anything coming up or is there something you're super excited about another six-year project it's funny it's like the I think the next chapter started like the day before the shutdown. I got picked up by an agency for the first time. Um, oh, congratulations. Walter Shaker yeah, Management. So cool. Thank you. Yeah, WSM, um, they're mostly a photo agency, but they're guys, they're people, specific. like they're, they're really unique. They're not the biggest, you know, they're not CAA. They're not right. any of those things. But 
like the people that are under their umbrella are like really like soulful thoughtful beautiful photographers yeah they clearly have a style about like who they who they have you know they're really picky about who they choose and and they started a cinematography division uh, back in february and i just got a freaking cold call out of the blue from jordan shimenti who's my agent it was like, hey, I'm doing this project. You, you know, starting a cinematography division at WSM. I had never spoken to an agent before, and I had been working with agencies for tabletop, like Apostrophe and mm-hmm. you know Hello Artists and you know a dozen others. So I, you know, I know the people, I know the world, and I was always kind of like, hey guys, what about me? You know, like, <laughs> and you know, just sort of no, no real attention or action on that, and. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, he calls me up. And and if I could pick an agency, I probably would have picked them. That's you know, cool. Like it was That's actually rad. really, really, um, it was really nice, you know, to to kind of like get brought into that. It, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you look around at the artists around you, and you're like, holy crap! Like these people know what they're doing, right? They're you know, like, me on that level doing. with them. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. Did you guys make you a guys mistake? Or... <laughs> That's how I feel all the is, time. <laughs> is there a Timor spelled with two O's that you're yeah. looking for? Because you know, those are the calls that you want, and that type of relationship is really important. It was super cool. You know, I met dozens and dozens and dozens of directors, and and this is the crazy part was that we went through this like meet and greet phase early mm-hmm. on in February where I must have, you know, shook the hands of know, two, 300 people. And then we were shut down a week and a half later. Ah, uh, kind of bad timing. I mean, and, it's never a good time. And then but, I, <laughs> yeah. And then, well, that was the thing was that like it, nobody had really at that time, it was only like, you know, two cases and then it was in Portland. Right. Right. And then I flew home to LA and they were like, New York is on fire. You oh, know, and it yeah. was just, I know and I was just waiting for the for the for the Rona to hit. Like I was like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. Well, right. I'm gonna stay in this room in my house for the next yep. two weeks and you know, but you know, thankfully either I didn't get it or just had a case that didn't manifest in any way. And yeah. you know, I just was her- hermetically sealed in the house for a month. You know, I've been tested since, nothing, you know, but it was just like one of those things where it was like I was walking through a minefield and I had no idea. Totally, totally you understand know? that. Well, I mean, flying around that time and yeah, my wife was in Seattle yeah. when everything kind of went, went oh. upside down yeah. and, and looking back on it, we're like, holy smokes, we probably really, I mean, going, th- she's going through the airport right as the big outbreak was happening. We probably really dodged a bullet there. Exactly. And, and the, the thing that was just crazy about it though, was that like, you know, we went through all this energy and got our reels in order and edit. I edited like a ton of things. I spent like a month, you know, being brought on to the, to the WSM site and all that. And literally like we got our first call, you know, and we were mm-hmm. like, all right, we're going to do this, you know, uh, some food, food thing. And then it was like na- nationwide shutdown and we've kind of been there ever since. So it's like the minute I got brought onto the agency, the, the world turned upside down, but they've been amazing. They, took the time and we've been like working on all they still got me work they helped guide me he was like man if you build a home studio he was like you know you do tabletop you don't need actors you don't need any of that stuff you know we'll get you stuff to shoot at home and they did i mean they they saved my life through this whole thing so it's just been really there's a bit of kismet you know that it uh worked out that way and so I think like what I'm looking forward to is is just sort of, you know, growing that relationship and seeing where it leads to. And now that things are actually getting busy again, 
it, it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, I've always fought for myself, right. You know, with work and all that, but having somebody in your corner, you know, like it's, it's really just nice, a yeah. really, yeah, it's a really, it's a really special thing. And, and for people that are looking for that kind of representation, it's, you know, a don't question it. It's a hundred percent worth it. Right. Totally. The, you know, <clears throat> but it, it's hard. It's hard to get there. But you've always been looking out for yourself as a freelancer, and, and I'm the same way. And when you have someone that is going to help lead you to jobs, help you find some opportunities, and there's more and opportunities, and then you're using that energy that you would have used to do that, and you're using it creatively. Yeah. And I think it all works mm-hmm. out uh, for the better. And that is something that's super important. And you have to be at a level to earn that. It doesn't just make your life easier all of a sudden. And that's what everyone wants. Yeah. I'm not going to start being a simple and be like, you know what? I think first thing I'll do <laughs> yeah, is exactly. uh, get an agent. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, but it's also like the creative equivalent of like trying to buy a house where you have to prove to the bank right, that you don't need right. the loan. Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, and that was the thing was like, you, you really have to like on your own, get to a point where you don't need an agent yeah, right. anymore. You know, where you're like, you know, you're getting all this work and you're killing it and making all this money and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden they come knocking. Right. Right. And you're like, now I I can do this, but now I need your help to do it because I'm so busy. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And and not just that, but it's you were 100% right when you said that, you know, when I get a a call or a request, you know, I just hand it. I just CC Jordan on the email. Mm -hmm. And then all I have to do is just make the one creative call and just talk about what we want to shoot. And well, he handles everything else. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, they're going to need this crew and they're going to need this thing. And these are mandatory and these are not. And, you know, this is where we can save you money. And this is, you know, like, it's almost like having like a producer and like a friend that, you know, the, the bulldog friend. Yeah. Yeah. You can be the gentle artist and, and not worry about any of those things anymore. And, you know, just kind of let it flow, you know, and it really does help the quality of your work too. And yeah. that's the thing is like, I imagine, yeah, I, I don't have to waste, I don't have to waste. I'm not exhausted going into the job. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Your mental energy it's, is still there and you can apply it to the, the creative yeah. aspect of the exactly. production, which is extremely it's, important. It's just a, it's just a very new thing. And it's just almost like surreal, you oh, know, bet, like yeah. just being, being able to like, cause you always wonder like, you know, especially like, cause I mean, I didn't go to film school and, all this stuff. And like, I sort of learned the hard way, you know, what works and what doesn't, Right. you know, just, just being able to like, not have to produce the damn thing before the producer gets to, you know what I mean? You you guys know what I'm talking about. Totally. know exactly what you mean. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm super stoked. You have that Timor. Thank you. We always like to leave the listeners on a good piece of advice. And do you have any advice for up and coming cinematographers or something you've learned or what not to do? Or just a way to act oh, yeah. on set. I mean, I'm sure you have a thousand, but what is one important one? It's not a piece of set advice at all. It's um, it's sort of something that helps you find where you're going to be, right? It's a little painful at first, and it's especially when you're younger and you're kind of like trying to make a living and all that. And, you know, we're all there, all of us, you know. But the, the most important thing is like, you know, learning to say no in a smart way. So that Mm -hmm. because reputation, reputation is everything, right? So if you want to shoot, if you want to shoot documentaries, shoot documentaries. Yeah, totally. If you want to shoot films, shoot films. Now, I know that that sounds like, oh, easier said than done. But if you think about it like this, if you be known for the thing you want to do, you know, like because everybody's a guy. Right. You know, 
in the colloquial sense, you know, not right. specifically. In not male, not an actual I mean, male. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, everyone is that guy, you know, oh, he's the guy that does anamorphics and he's the guy right. that does, you know, uh, uh, hip hop videos and he's the guy that does, you know, so everybody's a guy, right? Yeah. Well, be the guy for the thing you want to do. I like that. I think, you know, great. like, like the minute, the minute you get known for that thing, those people that are looking for that are going to come to you. Right. And that's the quickest way to get your career on the direction you want it to go in. Until it makes sense. To, is like shoot the spec. You know, if, if you want to do f- feature films, shoot every feature film. Don't be known, you know, because you do one documentary, you do one commercial, you do one, uh, uh, you know, branded content thing or corporate video or whatever. You become known in those circles as, hey, we got this guy who just did this thing for us. It was really good. You're looking for a guy here. So you get another call right. that's not pushing you in the direction that you want to go in. Right. You know, you got to get into that. That that's how you get into that circle. You have to say no to all the other stuff, and it's really painful. Right. And you're going to be broke for a while. But once the momentum picks up, ugh, it is so much more rewarding to to wind up where you want. Because that's exactly how I got into tabletop. I did that one thing, and I was like, "Holy shit, I love this!" All right. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I want to be that guy. All I did was post. All I did was post on Instagram and Facebook and all the social media stuff. Everything was tabletop related. Huh. This is the greatest macro lens I ever used for tabletop. This is the, you know, look at this, you know, there's the highlight we got on this bottle with this piece of lighting. Look at the thing. And it literally like rebranded myself as tabletop guy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's actually really and, great. And advice. it works. Yeah. And it worked. It, it, it's, you know, I transitioned from doing, you know, music videos and short films and, right. you know, more general commercial work like pharmaceuticals and stuff like that into the first year. It was like 20% tabletop, 80% everything else. From one year from the date that I started, it was a 90-10 split the other way. Wow. Yeah. So you niched in and then you, you took charge of that. And I think as a creator, yeah. especially someone just starting, it is, it would be really hard to say no, especially if they don't have another job because you're essentially turning down. It's money. very, right. very hard to say no. I think that's really good advice and that's something that's never been shared on the show. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, all all the time you spend doing something else that's not what you want to be doing is wasted time that you're not learning how to do what you want to be doing. Um, Obviously sometimes money, you know, is a factor, but looking at that, what you just said, if you flip it on its head, Mm -hmm. if you say no to the documentary, when you want to shoot feature films, Mm -hmm. you're leaving your schedule open. True. For yeah. the next feature. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. If you're, instead if you're wrapped of, up in documentary. Saying, yeah. Yeah. Like instead of, instead of looking at it as, oh, I'm turning down a job, you're saying, no, 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 I'm leaving my schedule clear for the work that I do want to do. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's I think incredible. that, I think that's, that's great advice. Um, Timor, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking time out of your so schedule. Thank you guys. This has been a rad conversation. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. I hope that you keep busy, keep safe, and uh, and I'm excited to see what you come out with next. Yeah, Timor, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, man. And I think we've we've chatted you on too, the guys. phone Thank a little you. bit and texted back and forth. But let's stay in touch. And any advice that Timor gave to you guys today, I, w- I would really take we'll into probably consideration. Probably listen, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Timor, thanks again so much, man. It was great talking to you again, and, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much. It was great fun. Thanks, Timor. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Stay safe. 
Wow, what a guy. What a nice guy for one thing. I loved being able to study his work and then mm-hmm. ask the questions based on what he's already done in his productions. So. Right, and now knowing him, knowing the kind of brain that he has, his work makes a lot of sense. Like when Absolutely. we were talking about doing the product photography and stuff like that, it, it makes a lot of sense why why he trended towards doing that kind of stuff. But really, you all should go check out his work. He's done some amazing stuff. Really, it, uh, several things that I just kind of sat there awe-inspired while I was watching, mainly that music video. Uh, but really rad stuff. I think there's a lot you can learn from him visually just from the stuff that he said. So definitely go check out his stuff. Yeah, absolutely an amazing conversation. Even a more of an amazing artist. I'm super stoked to see what he does next. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so much for listening today and tuning in. Yeah, thanks. If you could give us a five-star review. Or six. On iTunes. If you could do six, <laughs> that would be great. Also, leave us a positive review. Give us a follow on Spotify as well. That's another thing if you're listening on that platform. These types of little things just help us get noticed in yeah. the podcasting world. And tell your friends. And you tell know. your friends. Yeah. Also, if you want to get to know us better, we're going to put links in the description of the podcast so you can get to know us and our work. Mm-hmm. We have links to Epidemic Sound. We have links to Lytra. All the fun stuff and discounts that you could possibly want. We really appreciate your guys' time. Yeah, thank you. And um, we will talk to you soon. Yeah, see you guys. Stay safe. Stay safe.